0: I go into ego. You know, I go into, is it good? Is anyone going to buy it? Is it sellable? And that ruins it. Although I still do it. I mean, I'm not saying I don't go there, but I have to, that's that's a resistance. You know, that's when I say, okay, I think we're done. We're done. Put that away. And then you can come back tomorrow. You know, it really is, for me, just playing a child. You know, this side of myself that just wants to push, make happen. You got to make it. As opposed to, Just have fun, you know, have fun making art.
1: Today, I get to talk to Kat Rains, a deeply kind, humble, and inspiring human being. Despite being known as the non-artistic one in her family, she would grow up to become a professional artist, not once. But twice in her life after a series of unfortunate life events derailed her art career the first time. As you'll hear, Kat had a chaotic and traumatic childhood. Rather than letting herself be a victim of it, though, she chose to lean into her experiences and use them to make herself strong and resilient. Please make today be the day you rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. It's so quick, I promise, and it would mean so much to me. It takes a lot to put together this show for you. I hope you'll consider supporting me through my Patreon program or buying some of my artwork, like my Gratitude Birds, which are $25 original watercolor paintings, each with their own unique name and superpower. You can collect them for yourself or have me send one to a friend with your custom message on it. I've gotten so many reports of joy from both senders and recipients of these little bundles of love. I hope you'll send one to a friend or collect one for yourself today too. Find everything you need to know on kateshepardcreative.com. Toward the end of the show, you'll hear me share the word I pulled for today's episode with Kat. It was so spot on that it took her breath away. Listen closely and see if you can guess what it is. Okay, get out a pen and paper. Kat has so many amazing things to say. I'm sure you're going to want to write some of them down. Well, Kat, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've really been, ever since we connected to each other a couple of weeks ago about you coming on the show, I've been kind of buzzing a little bit about this, about this day, and I'm glad we're, we're finally here. Thanks for coming.
0: Well, I am honored to be asked, to be honest, when you said, would you like to? I was like, yeah, of course.
1: At the beginning of each episode, I like to share a little bit with you and also with any listeners who may just be joining us who, are, or who have maybe forgotten what this Creative Genius podcast is all about. And what it really is, is a, is a, I think of it almost like a love letter from my heart or a a message from my heart to anybody who's ever believed the thought, I don't have what it takes to be creative. I wish I could. Uh, It's not in me. And because, because over, over my own years as an artist, I saw so many people saying that and with that was this wish this this wish to be creative and i finally realized that that wish was actually creativity itself mm-hmm. trying to get your attention so that you would do something about it because when something's uncomfortable and you you're wishing for something to be different that's like a great mechanism for doing something about it and so that wish was actually creativity itself trying to get people's attention and and so i wanted to devote my life it really feels like i've devoted my life now to this conversation having this conversation out loud about how Dispelling these myths about creativity, it it doesn't just exist in certain places, you know, painting or sculpture or the traditional sort of art ways. It isn't limited to just certain people who have some rare gift and And the products of it certainly don't have to look a certain way. And I think those are kind of like the big three really limiting beliefs we have around creativity. So that's my mission, and that's the 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 intention of the the conversation that we're having with the podcast. and And I was really excited that you found your way to me and I found my way to you because in um, reading up on you to prepare for the show, I learned that you were one of these people who believed for a long time. I mean, you were sort of seen as the unartistic one in your family. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you could, now you're this amazing full-bodied artist. And I wondered if you might tell us how, a little bit about that, what was it like to grow up believing that you didn't have an uh, an artistic bone in your own body?
0: Well, I didn't know that there was anything different. So I, you know, it wasn't like I was missing something because I didn't know it was supposed to be there. But my, both my parents, mother and father were both artistic. They were writers. Uh, they drew, they painted, um, sculpted, very creative. But my, I grew up with a lot of trauma in my house. Uh, my mother was schizophrenic, which is basically it makes a house look like an alcoholic's house. So my life really revolved around this trauma of someone who was mentally ill. So although I was very craftsy as a kid, um, I I loved to knit and crochet. And I was one of the, you know, I scrapbooked long before it was a cool thing to do. But I never thought I, I mean, it didn't even dawn on me that I would be an artist or would even do anything with art because I couldn't draw. That was the basic requirement in my mind. You know, you see kids in elementary school or high school, they're taking art classes and they can draw amazing things representationally. And I can't draw anything. At least I couldn't. I can now, but I realize I don't like to draw. You know, that's just not as something that I want to do. So it wasn't something that I was missing because I didn't know I was ever, that was even part of my life. You know, my life trajectory, my goal in life was to get a college degree, get a corporate job, carry a briefcase, wear a suit. And that's what I did. You know, I went into corporate life and, um, and that's actually how I found creativity because I was so freaking stressed out, um, in that kind of environment, even though I was good at what I did. Um, ironically, I was a career counselor. So I went to school for career counseling. I got a master's in counseling and I became a director of a career center. And eventually I went into corporate life from there, but I didn't like managing people. I hated it. but. I didn't realize that that hate inside of me, that anguish, whatever you call it, was actually my call to creativity. I just didn't know it at the time. So the anxiety or um, kind of the discomfort I felt around this job led me to explore other ways to be happy because I certainly couldn't change my job. I I had to be in this job because I prepared my whole life for it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's such an interesting point that's worth underlining because I think so many times we have these uncomfortable feelings or experiences or situations in our lives and we kind of just want them to go away. And so we we do a lot to sort of shove that down or make it go away or, you know, we, just deal with it or maybe numb it out or not feel it or whatever it is we do. But actually just like creativity that wish, what well, you know, that negative feeling or that uncomfortable feeling are often um like guideposts or signals yeah. or like beacons, like, Hey, pay attention to this. I'm actually right. trying to show you something. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, interesting because I, because of you know growing up with a mother who's mentally ill, I have a very high, a very low tolerance for being unhappy. So as soon as I get the least bit anxious, unhappy, sad, uh-uh, we're not doing that. So I immediately jump on it and try to figure out, okay, why am I unhappy? And what, what am I supposed to be learning here? So that's actually been a skill, like that's the biggest gift my mother gave me is the motivation to be happy all the time, really happy, not fake happy. You know, so when I'm feeling discomfort, I have to go do something about it, which is what led me to really exploring very deeply what it was I really wanted in my life when I thought I wanted a corporate job, you know, I wanted- how did
1: How did she give that gift to you? I'm just trying to imagine, I mean... I also grew up in a very dysfunctional home where there was a lot of, you know, awful things going on related to mental illness and addiction and all those things. And But I don't have any experience with schizophrenia or mental illness of that kind of level. How, Kate, would you be willing to say a little bit more about how that experience led you to not have a tolerance for being unhappy? Like what? what yeah. Was the-
2: well,
0: I was kind of a, I watched the extreme misery of my mother. You know, okay. I watched her in mental hospitals. Um, and from the time I was, I knew her, she was mentally ill from the time I was three years old to, you know, and then I eventually became her caregiver, um, until her death. And although she didn't live with me, I was constantly supporting her in and out of mental hospitals. So I, you know, how you, I don't know if you felt this, but you know, you, sometimes you feel like you're acting like your mother, your father, like, oh, that's my father. You know, (laughs) so whenever I felt any kind of what I would perceive as my mother, you know, it's like anxiousness, like, oh no, mm -mm, we don't do that because by the way, schizophrenia is hereditary, you know, you can catch it, (laughs) you know, from your genes. So I knew this from a very early age that I had to be on top of it. You know, I had to make sure that I was mentally healthy and it has served me incredibly well, you know, Mm -hmm. because I am um, I am healthy, you know, it's just being grounded and, um, really aware of where I am
1: and what I want yeah, to do. You, I, I mean, You've cultivated an incredible, what I would call mindset, you know, for yourself. Like I read some of your guiding, you know, the guiding principles of your life. And a lot of those, I think don't come from a, from a dysfunctional childhood environment. Those are the, generally speaking, it's not the product of that. It's, you have to cultivate that for yourself. And one of the things I did want to ask you is how, given that you came from there, what was the journey to create some of those, those beliefs for yourself, you know, about being happy and about, you know, you, you say some really nice things about, um, you know, saying yes to showing up for whatever it is and uh, how the, you believe fundamentally the universe is rigged in your favor always. Uh, and you smile for no reason, you know, just because, you know, and that's a, these are practices for you, but how did you cultivate all of that for yourself coming from where you came from?
0: I think the universe is giving me opportunities to practice this over and over again, you know? So, you know, I've been doing what I, what you just said, you know, from as early as I can remember, but you don't really know how to do it until you're put into a really challenging situation. I mean, what I've learned is that, um, when I really grow and thrive is when I'm in a challenging situation, unfortunately, you know, when I'm just in status quo, which by the way I am now, you don't really grow at the, le- at the level, you know? So, I mean, I've gone through a series of you know, kind of dramatic things since my mother. Um, I'm trying to think of the first one because <laughs> there were many. So I'm in this job. One is my job. So I'm in this job that I prepared for my entire life. And I hated my job. I was miserable. So that was one of the, the first ones that really taught me how to do this in a real grounded way. So I remember thinking to myself I was way into the career. I was like 10 years in at this point and I was miserable and this phrase popped into my head that said what you resist persists. And as a spiritual person I've read that a million times. All right, fine. But all of a sudden it I realized, "Oh my god, I am resisting this job." Now, by the way, it's logical to resist a job that you're miserable in. You know, when you're being I was being yelled at all the time. I mean, there were so many things that were just logical not to, who would like this kind of thing, but I was still resisting it. You know, as long as you resist what's in front of you, you're going to, you're going to stay there. So I realized, oh my God, I'm going to be here the rest of my life. So I started this practice and that was my first really big one. I've had a couple smaller ones before that, but I realized that I had to find a way to ritualistically not resist something that is logical to resist. So I started, every time I felt that tension in my body, like, what am I doing this? Like, this is ridiculous. You know, someone's yelling at me or whatever it was. It didn't matter. I just didn't want to be there. As soon as I felt that tension or those words in my brain that said, why am I here? Oh, no, no, you're resisting. So then I would stop myself. And I had this phrase and the phrase was this moment is my destiny. And since I've lived my entire life to be in this position, listening to this person bitch at me, I'm going to open my arms to it and see what it has to teach me. And so I did this for three solid months at the same time that I was playing this little game on the telephone. So I'm at the time I was a pretty connected person. So a lot of people called me all day long because they needed something from me. And one of my friends also in another job, a job like mine somewhere else, said someone called her up and offered her a job out of the blue, And I went, oh my God, well, I'm a connected person. Why wouldn't someone call me and offer me that? So every time the phone, I, the phone rang and it rang like 30, 40 times a day in my office, I would pick it up thinking, oh, here's my job. And I would do it all day long. So I'm doing these these, these two games. One game is this moment's my destiny. You know, I would not allow myself to... Basically, I call it monkey brain. You know, when you're really annoyed, you don't want to be here. Like, this sucks. As soon as I started hearing that crap in my head, I go, oh, no, no, we're not doing that. So it's kind of like self-discipline. It's like di- it's disciplining a child having a tantrum. That's how I, I do it. So I would say, no, this moment was my, my destiny, and I would settle into whatever was happening. And at the same time, I'm playing the game on the telephone. So it's kind of like manifestation. Like, I'm, I'm affirming but I didn't realize I was affirming because I didn't know where I was going. So that's how it happened. And then three months after I started this kind of double process, and by the way, I wasn't trying to get anywhere. I was just trying to alleviate the discomfort I had from my job. Right. Right. I wasn't trying to get anywhere. There wasn't anywhere to go. I live in a small Southern town. There was no jobs. So I was just trying to be happy. Three months into this little thing I was doing, I was so happy I couldn't stand myself. So happy that I didn't want to leave this job ever in my lifetime, and that's when the magic happened. So someone called me up out of the blue and offered me the dream job. Now, now, to, by the way, the dream job now is being a full time artist. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I was uh, how old was I? Thirty seven. Um, at the time, uh, the dream job was to become a Myers Briggs MBTI. It's a personality tool. It was to become to actually work for that company. Uh, I didn't apply for the job. They called me out of the blue and it was like the most incredible job I'd ever had. And I, I stayed there for 20 years. It was amazing.
1: Wow. Where was creativity? Because I know you talk about 33 being a sort of turning point for you. So this was a few I, years into where was art? What was going on with your artistic side at that at that time? Yeah. So,
0: yeah, so the creativity part uh, started in the job I hated. So I was miserable in this job and I thought it was really weird to be a career counselor who hated her job. So I started doing career counseling on myself. And this classic exercise that I used to do with my students was make a list of everything you'd love to do as a kid, but weren't told to do it. So I had this monster list of Barbie dolls, kick the can, making forts, you name it. I had this list, you know, lots of stuff. And the middle of the list was the word collage. And I was 30, that's when I was 33. And, you know, I thought, well, I can't draw and paint, but I'm desperate and I can't leave my job. There's, you know, there's no other jobs to be had. So why don't you try it? So I tried doing a collage one Sunday with all the leftover magazines in the house and I just fell in love. And I made horrible, horrible collage and I kept making horrible collages for about three, well, actually until the Myers-Briggs shop showed up. And then eventually I took one art class from a magazine collage artist that is a selling well-known artist in Santa Fe, you know, he sells in galleries. And in five days, I went from pretty juvenile to not bad. And that's when it all started. You know, uh-huh. so I spy, it took me a long time once I got some skill. It was probably like seven years from the time, like thir- age 33 to actually age 40, I quit my job for the first time to become a full time artist. And I did do full time art for four, four years.
1: Wow. Is it uh, that just uh, before I move on too much about, cause I want to talk about that too, but I, I'm wondering what's coming up for me as you sharing that is, um, and I, I just want to bounce this off you to see if how it lands for you, but in deciding to not put so much of your life energy into fighting with what is, you know, the, what is of your life, you took that energy away and you diverted it to these other things. But in that space, these other things were, were able to pop up. You were able to have the curiosity, like because you can't put resources into you know making a list of the things you like to do when you are a kid when you're so focused on being angry and upset and unhappy and like right. it takes a lot of energy to do. So is that would you say yeah. that's a fair sort of character? Like that that was kind of like a important part of being able to let those things come out. Well, it was
0: you know when I made this list of what I you know liked to as a kid, it was part of my commitment to being mentally healthy.
2: Mm-hmm. You know
0: I knew it was unhealthy. To be unhappy in any way, so I'm not going to deny my unhappiness, but I've got to deal with it.
1: So it's hmm, a decision, yeah.
0: So something was not being fulfilled in me, and I didn't know what it was. I had no, I mean, art was the farthest thing from my brain. Uh, but this list, kind of, that was the spark, you know, that started it.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it was very light and playful. It wasn't like you didn't go home and say like I need to. Because no. I think, and I maybe we could talk about this for a minute because I, I think myself. Included, and I think a lot of maybe our listeners feel like, as we're feeling around for our life purpose or artistic voice, even maybe it is um there there can be this sort of um tendency to effort like to put like efforting like i'm trying, I'm trying yeah. to find it, I'm trying to do this i'm trying it's me that's making all this happen and um I wanted to ask you what your view on the difference between being in a place of resisting things, which you knew well versus surrendering to things like, what, what is that? What is the magic that's happening there?
2: Okay. That's like the biggest question ever. And I don't have a simple answer, but I will tell you that. So my, my first experience of surrendering, you know, of having
0: no resistance um, really was when I was 33. And then again, it happened when I was 37 but it kept happening. Like I had a whole series of events, like I had breast cancer, then I had a blindside divorce. I mean, I had a whole bunch of stuff that happened each time I took the thing from the time before. And I learned how to be in non-resistance at a higher level. And to your question, when you apply that to creativity, I'm doing it now, you know, and when I You know, I think I I totally understand what you're saying, you know, because when I first, when I quit my job, I've quit my job twice now, big time in order to become a full-time artist. So I quit my job a second time in 2018 to go full-time art. When I did it a second time, I literally went into surrender then because, you know, collage had always been my thing, but I'd never had the time to really get into it and really find out what do you really want, you know? This is what you started with, but maybe there's something else. So instead of like going full force and selling the art I was making at the time, which was good, I let go of it all. And I took lots of classes and I just kind of followed whatever was coming to me. But then at some point, I wanted to just get back into the business of it. You know, I want to sell my art. This is not, you know, a hobby for me. So how do you monetize, you know,
1: what you love to do? And is this the first time, just so I can get it, because because I know you sort of had two big chapters of, right. you know, you you left that job and then got the new job. And then this, after, you know, then then you set about building this career and then that happened for a while. And then if I've got the chronology right, you were sort of, yeah. th- th- you, you did get cancer and that you were sick and you were, and then that sort of derailed all of that. And you had to kind yeah. of come back and build again. So we're talking about the second you time. Know my story, Kate, I'm impressed. <laughs> so basically it's both times, you know, but it,
0: both times when I was a full-time artist, first time and second time, um, I had to really ramp up my surrender skills because there is like exactly what you said. I mean, there's a push. You got to find it. You got to find your voice. You got to find the market. You got to know how to market it.
1: And how do you push and surrender at the same time? I can't that, figure it out. That's the same thing as being in a job you hate,
0: yet you're not supposed to hate it. You're supposed to always be happy. So how do you go into non-resistance? And I am constantly going back to those early lessons I had to bring myself to when I find myself pushing. You have to stop yourself like you're disciplining a child who's having a tantrum. No, pushing will actually push back and you will not get anywhere. But this is not like an easy thing for me. You know, this is my life lesson. I am, in fact, I have signs around my office. I can see right now that remind me, no, you cannot push through this. You know, there's only so many hours in a day. You have to breathe. You have to, you have to basically love every activity you're doing. Even though at the moment I'm not creating art, I am selling art. You know, I am, I am putting art out there into the world. I have to love that. I can't be in this state of, oh my God, I have to get there. And that's the same thing with finding your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, if I sit there and go, oh my God, I have no voice. What's my unique thing? I'm never going to find my voice. But when I finally found my voice was when I decided, ah, let's just have fun. Let's just play.
1: What would tell, you really tell play? us? Yeah, tell us about that. What? How, how? that happened?
0: Well, it's happened a few times, but the last time, and I think it's going to continue to happen the rest of my life, probably everyone's life, you know, because our our voice doesn't stop evolving. But so I quit my job, two thousand eighteen, gave myself two and a half years to play, and at the two and a half year mark, which was actually last summer, I just had this thing that came. I ha- I was selling, you know, like one collection a year. It was really really slow because I wasn't really I hadn't really found what I wanted. But last summer, I went away on vacation, brought a ton of art supplies. And I said, I, here's the deal. I challenged myself to make one collage a day for one hour and just have fun. It's the only thing that required. only requirement was to have fun. And you're not going to do anything with this. It's going to be, it was going to be in a, what do you call those? Books, <laughs> a sketchbook. And I, every day for seven days, I made a collage and people on Instagram started asking to buy them. And I went, what? No, these are crap. They weren't crap. They actually were coming from the purest part of me because I wasn't trying, wasn't trying. You know, I was no longer like the voice was coming from joy. So this round of it happened because I really sunk into creating from joy. And unless I was in joy, meaning I was in a grounded, connected place. And it sounds so kind of like, Woo- woo to say this, but I had to actually kind of send love and receive love from the art. And if I couldn't feel it, I wasn't going to do it. And so the art made itself. I really describe it as having God create through me. And from that moment forward, that was just last summer. Now, I've had other voices. you know i've I've had a couple of different voices as an artist, but the voice I have right now, I'm totally in love with, you know, and it just keeps evolving and getting bigger. and it'll probably change again you know and i'll have to like allow the voice to evolve you know right. with time but at the moment this past year since last summer so it's been a year and a half suddenly you know from not really sure where i'm going i am laser focused
1: wow you know, what would you I've, say to the person who's listening to this and going wow okay that sounds right. That sounds familiar. I feel like I've had that struggle when I'm in the studio or I'm in front of my journal or whatever it is that you know, and I'm I I I'm trying to create and everything that comes out just feels wrong and like at that efforting and I'm forcing it and like okay I acknowledge that and recognize that. What would you say would be a good place to start to un to I don't want to say undo that because it's more, it's, it feels like it's more like lightening up about it or loosening up about it. Or like you talked about, I loved what you said about how you have to sort of send the art love and then it can be this, like, then there's, you know, then it's coming back to you and it, then, then you're creating from that place. Are there things you can do to set yourself up to be in that place or to generate that?
0: It's funny, Kate, because I have to remind myself how to get back there all the time, you know, because my brain wants, my ego wants to, let's make good art. Yeah. You know, make sellable art. Let's go. Let's make, let's make some art. Um, and so I have signs in my studio that say, and there's, and they change all the time because, I, I, because but the message is always the same. Like right now, my, my, sent my phrase is, I want to be in presence. So if I can't feel that I'm actually present with the art, I'm going to be making what I call transactional art. You know, it's not going to be something that's connected to me or anybody else, no one else is going to want it. So I can't say that there's a formula other than what I would suggest other people do. And when people say they, they're, they don't know what to do or what to make is if you could make anything, what would it be? Like if there really wasn't any rules, what just sounds like fun to do. It's like play. And that's actually how I found it last summer. You know, like, well, if I really could just make anything as opposed to I'm making what I think is sellable, like my, uh, the collection I made before this past summer, when I actually stumbled on my so-called voice, um, I was making the same kind of collages and I'd put birds in them and I thought, okay, birds, they're sellable. If we make a collage with a bird, we got it. They weren't sellable by the way. They eventually sold within a year's period, but they didn't sell right away. And I was crushed but now i'm creating from this very soulful place
1: and they do so what's the magic there how are people feeling that because you know it you were there you can you could I, we could sit in your studio and you could show me a piece that you made from your rational mind with the bird that was like oh this will you know the strategic part of you created it versus a piece that came from this this other place we're talking about you know the difference because you were there but how as somebody who's over here who's just walking into how do I know the difference? What's the what is the magic? Because people, it's un it's undeniable. Like and I talk from artists all the way like I've talked to so many different people. And there is some a different quality to a piece of, like you said, transactional art versus that. What is it? How
2: it's a good question. You know, I you know, Kate, I wish I could answer that. I oh. think it's, you know. Because
0: I, it's a, it's something that happens and it surprises me, you know, it surprises me that the art that I made before, which I thought was good, doesn't sell near like what I sell now because, and I, I know the differences, the difference is because I'm making it from joy, you know, when I'm making it, I don't, I will not allow myself to create if I'm in a poopy mood or if I'm like. In any kind of if I'm in any other state from except then I'm present and joyful, creating. otherwise i I belong somewhere else. I belong walking, reading a book, <laughs> do anything else, but do not create because it's a waste of my time. And somehow people connect to art that is there's an essence in it that's connected
1: yeah so I, I mean, I don't know.
0: it's like a magic thing.
1: it is a magic thing, and i I mean it's it's uh, my I, I realized. I don't know. I've been an artist my entire life ever since I was a kid. And, for you. and I mean, it's been, I look at creativity, that energy as like, I mean, it's the love of my life. I cry when I think about oh, how beautiful that. it is and how it's, it's the one thing that's never left my side. And um, it's just such a beautiful, joyful, giving energy.
2: Love that.
1: And, and so, you know, I, my this this wow. podcast is a devotion to that itself because mm. i i want to help it emerge in, in in you and like in everybody and every person that's out there like that's so it's this love for it and it's so interesting for me because i also have these like i have that deep intimate connection with this energy and i still don't understand how it works <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe we're not supposed to know. Maybe we're not yeah. supposed to know. We just that that love like I was just crying. What was I crying about? What was that? I yeah. like there's it's love. It's a, it's an actual thing that is in the room. You can feel it. And I just wonder if through practice we can conjure a connection to it. You know, like a uh, um cuz it's almost like where uh, where your attention goes, you know, energy flows where your attention goes. And I wonder if right. through, you know, you're saying you you know that you shouldn't create when you're in a bad mood you know that that's a self-awareness. And so when you can bring that to your practice, you could say, well, I'm in a poopy mood, but it's only a six out of 10. I think I could shift it if I went and played with some whatever materials, or maybe I do need to go for a walk. Like you know yourself well enough, but do you think that, I mean, cause I think what we're talking about is flow state, like getting into that place of that flow state where it's not that you're not creating from the rational mind you're creating from this other place. Right. I, I think another word for that might be flow state. And I'm, I guess one of the things I'm curious about is can we practice conjuring that? Or does it just come when it wants to come? Like, what's your sense of that? Does it have its own rhythm or is it always available to us? So it's whether we want to tap into it.
2: Such a Good questions, Kate. These are great.
0: Um, I can just say ha- how it happens for me. I don't, I don't know if I can,
2: I can't, con- I know I can't conjure up a flow state. I have to Instead, set the scene, though, for creativity to show up. So for me, it's
0: lighting a candle or just closing my eyes and praying for a few minutes and asking God to create through me. Ironically, one of my best tools is to set a timer. So I set a timer for like 10, 15, 20 minutes, depends on what mood I'm in. And I put all my materials out. You know, so I have papers of all different colors of whatever I'm, whatever color palette I'm playing with.
1: And I say, okay,
0: I'm going to give you 10 minutes to create a collage. Go. And for some reason that gets me in, uh, it doesn't always work. You know, sometimes that my, my ego comes in and goes, oh, this is shit. This stuff is awful. Then that's the time to stop. Right. But if I play the game of, you only have 10 to 20 minutes to create a collage. That's when magic does happen for me. Um, And it's been the tool that I've been using consistently for the last. Oh, well, probably the last year, you know. So by the way, when I say 10 minutes, I have 10 minutes to put the foundation of papers down. And then I, I put it away and then I'll come back and I'll glue it down and then I'll put it away. And then another time I'll spend another 10 minutes putting some paint on it. So in all in all total, it's probably an hour, but that's a. Total different experience from what I used to create, which would be months and months for a single collage. I've had collages that took me sixteen months to make a collage, and they didn't sell that well. you know and of course, these are different. these are smaller. I make rather small at the moment. so maybe that will change you know as i as I evolve and make bigger art, but at the moment they're just made with joy.
1: so what does it feel like when you're in that ten minutes and um, I love that. I think I've heard lots of people talk about different ways they get that part of their mind, the, the thinking, judging mind, to shut. And I think that that it yeah. just you can. It's ten minutes. You can get in and out before it has a chance to realize what's happening and True. get involved. So in that ten minutes, though, I'm really curious for you. What does it feel like? Are you? Does it like is something? Like how do you know where to put things? Is it a feeling that you know what angle? What? Well, like, it's the same thing that happened to me last summer when I found my voice is
0: because I'm only giving ten minutes. There's no time to analyze it's rip 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 poke, poke, you know it's like it's like working like poke, 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 only 10 minutes but i'm my brain is not on it's actually completely focused on throwing paper down and my intention is not to make a good piece of art my intention is you get 10 minutes to play or you have 20 minutes to pay you know i, I make it pretty limited though um for some reason that turns me, turns off my kind of egoic brain. This is, I have to make something good. I wish I had another method that worked. I mean, I heard Betty Frank say that she um, listens to podcasts and that, that turns her brain off. I wish that worked for me because I would love to listen to podcasts and books on tape. I know I've heard a lot of artists do that, but that actually doesn't do it. It doesn't hook me in to what I would call a god state which is or a higher self state it doesn't do it i have to i have to work quick in order for it to work for the first round actually every other round of a collage too has to go quick or it, it does i i go into ego you know i go into is it good is anyone going to buy it is it sellable and that ruins it
1: yeah every time <laughs> yeah
0: although i still do it i mean i'm not saying i don't go there but i have to that's that's a resistance You know, that's when I say, okay, I think we're done. We're done. Put that away. And then you can come back tomorrow. You know, it really is for me, disciplining a child. You know, this side of myself that just wants to push, make happen. You got to make it as opposed to just have fun, you know, go have fun making art and see what happens. And most of it will will be crap. And that's just perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. It seems so simple, but it is really, it seems no, so hard for us humans to just have fun. It just like, we seem to have this, <laughs> it's tricky.
0: It's tricky it to let go. You so know, I do see you... artists all the time, like working in sketchbooks, you know, you see them on Instagram, they're like playing in sketchbooks. I go, I would love to do that. And I get, it might be my next kind of thing is, can I make just like shitty art in a sketchbook? I can't do that. I want to what happens is I make a shitty piece of of art and sketchbook and I end up liking it and I tear it out of the sketchbook and I sell it. So then all of a sudden the sketchbook has become something that is a sellable item. So it just ruins everything. So I got to like figure out a way to use a sketchbook again, because I'm selling out of my sketchbook, which that defeats the purpose, you know?
1: Yeah. Or maybe it's just like you said, I think you've got, everybody's got to find the way that you can trick your brain into letting you create. And so if that's another way, you know, ride that for as long as it will. Because eventually that monkey mind will catch on and be like, oh, she's got the sketchbook out. Oh, we're making good art. You know, and then you have to find another way to trick it for a minute. But I love that. I feel like that's kind of part of the evolution, right? Is we're always, always got to try to stay Mm -hmm. one step ahead of that part of ourselves. This episode of Creative Genius is brought to you by Morning Moon Nature Jewelry. Instantly familiar, yet unlike anything you've ever owned, this extraordinary handcrafted heirloom jewelry is famous for its incredible detail of actual textures from nature. Get 15% off your first order and feel the wonder. Use coupon code CREATIVEGENIUS at lovemorningmoon.com. What have you found out for yourself in terms of your own rhythm with creativity? Like, do you go into the studio every day and create, you know, in the morning or in the evening, or do you have, or are there days in the month where you're just like that two weeks? I just don't, I know myself. It, like, are there, is there a rhythm that you've noticed for yourself?
0: I've gone through different rhythms. Um, for a couple of years, I challenged myself to do one hour a day. And it would be the first hour of the day. So as soon as I got, you know, had my breakfast, I would do my morning routine and then I would come to the studio and do an hour. That hour usually turned into 3 or 4 hours. And I would you know, I had a calendar and I marked down how many hours I did and I think last year I think I did something like 700 hours of art. Just saying I was going to do 1 hour a day. And so you know, every now and then I would skip a day. But this year because I'm really more focused in I I don't want to be contradicting myself. I do want to sell what I make. You know, this is a business. This is not a hobby. But at the same time, I want to love what I'm making. So because I'm much more focused on the business of art, I'm more, I'm not doing an hour a day anymore. You know, because there's a lot of business of art has to be done. You know, I am doing minimum 50% of my time. And what I'm finding now, because I'm much more focused on You know, I will create a whole collection, which might take me a month or two. And then I really will be focused on art and I'll spend three or four hours a day just doing that. But then there's a season where now you have to market the art, you know, so it's this cyclical thing, you know, so I have all these things that I have to market now and I love it. Marketing is art also. So I have to just be very focused on this is also creativity. I'm not creating new art, but if I just create art, it's just going to pile up. At some point, I've got to market the art. So I've just come to into into acceptance. Actually, I'm, I listened to a few um, podcasts by like Betty Frank's. So when I, I when I heard her on yours, I was like, oh, love her because she, you know, she loves her art, and it's very clear she's in the business of art. You know, so she's in the studio three or like three days a week, four days a week tops, and the rest of it's it's marketing her art, and that's pretty much where I'm at. And I love it, you know. As
1: you're saying that, I'm wondering, you know, this rational mind, and and I'm pairing it with this idea of that that which you resist persists. You know, if you're always trying to tell your rational mind to go away, it's going to be a way going... Trying to find ways to come back, and because it wants to be useful, it wants to be helpful. It wants to have a job. Like you know, I used to have a border collie, and my the vet said it just wants a job. You just need to just want show it the sheep. You because it had all this crazy behavior, and exactly. as soon as I gave it a job, and we you know taught it how to do you know catching the ball over and over again, it was like oh that that's my job. I have a job, and the whole system settled down. And I wonder, as you're saying this, how the business side of things is almost like this is your job now, rational mind, you get a chance to be a part of this. And this is how I need you. Because if you're always trying to say, go away, it's, it's going to bubble up. It's like holding a beach ball under the, under the water. It's going to come out and smack you in the face at some point. So I, and I think the importance of rest, you know, we talk about creative block as a, as a problem, you know, and I, and Uh I think it's related to this, like maybe, maybe those times are actually the important resting and important for other parts to come online and give their gifts and
0: oh what i love that kate yeah so the creative block is a form of resistance when you think about it and so instead of like trying to force yourself past it what do you want to do you know and to be honest i actually like the whole business behind the art i mean it's kind of a nerdy thing i love the numbers the spreadsheets i love what can i put my art on what are the products i want to do it's totally fascinating. So to me, there are seasons, there are seasons to create it and there are also seasons to market it. And it's actually, it doesn't feel that good to be forcing myself to make art when I really want to put the art I have out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Cause the you the, you've got to keep, you've got to keep the flow going too, right? Like you said, it'll just pile up and then you have stagnant energy. And that's what I used
0: to have, mm-hmm. you know, so I was, I have a ton and ton of art that I used, that I have made, but I never marketed it mm-hmm. or I mean, I marketed it intermittently.
2: Mm. You know?
0: So now I'm much more strategic about it. You know, you make a collection, you put it out, you make a collection, you put it out, you know, so it feels better that way.
1: I wanted to go back a minute to um, th- these chapters that you experienced in your life where you were maybe uh, disconnected from that, that part of yourself, the artist part of yourself. And um because you talk about encouraging people to listen to that quiet or shouting voice inside them. Sometimes it shouts. I think you said that in something that you, were, you had written on your website. Um, and I wondered if, if you might share from your experience to somebody who's maybe listening to this, maybe it's just dawning on them going, oh, I've been living through a disconnected phase. Because mm-hmm. I think you don't, you don't realize it when you're in it, right? You can wake up one day and realize like, oh, for six months, I have been acting unconsciously I'm not eating the foods I know serve me, not doing the things I know to like, and you just kind of, you can step out of it one day. So for the person who is saying, okay, maybe, um, maybe I'm, this is the first time in my adult life that I've realized that I've disconnected from my child artist or my inner artist or this, or maybe this is like the third time I've just gone through a terrible couple of years. COVID has been really hard for everybody. We've gone to sleep for a multitude of really reasonable reasons, Mm -hmm. but for somebody who's just going, okay, um, what are some ways that you could find your way back?
0: It's funny because I've had to find my way back so many times. Um, I think one of the at least for me how each time I found my way back was listening to some kind of uncomfortable feeling inside of myself. <clears throat> so like one of the times I found my way back um I had been in my job, my Myers Briggs job. I had been in there for 10 years. I'd been back on my job. So I was, I was, I, I had a job. I, I left it, became a full-time artist for four years. I went back to my full-time job, which was actually just life events, forced me back to work. You know, I had cancer, divorce, had to make solid income for a while. I just didn't intend to be back for 10 years. The whole 10 years I was uncomfortable. The whole 10 years. I loved the job, by the way. But the the morning, of not having my art was very painful because I wanted to be a full time artist. I already knew that, um, and this actually happened to me in 2015, not that long ago. So it was New Year's 2015. I just the the, the shit hit the the shit hit the fan in my head. It was like you got to do something. You got to stop. But I didn't want to quit my job. You know how many people can have the luxury of quitting their job? I didn't. You know I had to make an income. So the real question was, is how can you create a reality where you have a full-time job and you have art? So I figured out a way to make it both, that both happen. You know, I brought art back into my life while I was working full-time and the way I did it, this is, I mean, this is just my journey. Everybody has their own, like has to creatively find a way to do this. But for me, I realized I had a lot of little pockets of time in the day where I probably could fit some art in if I wasn't watching TV or just you know playing on Instagram or whatever it is. So I came up with a very structured plan where by the way my job was a traveling job. So I had to be on the road all the time. So I traveled with two 50 pound suitcases. One fifty-one fifty pounds was just art supplies. And yes, I had 20 pounds of paint, I had, uh, you know, substrates, I had a drop cloth, everything I needed for a, any, turn any hotel room into a art studio. So I ended up bringing art on the road for two and a half years. And that was kind of it. kind of like sent messages, I think to the universe, you know, it was like, I'm in this, you know, yeah, I'm working all day and yeah, I'm really tired. But at seven, seven o'clock, which is when I would actually open up my studio in my hotel, I was full of energy, man. You know, I was making art and eventually this hurt my health, by the way, this wasn't like the, you know, it wasn't like an easy thing because I did have health issues that kind of ran, were ramifications of kind of basically burning on both ends, having a job I loved and also doing the art I love simultaneously was actually, you know, rather a challenging thing, but. It got me back to full-time art, you know, eventually. So my that was a long way of saying is that I think there's always a solution back. And the way we know we need to get back to wherever we want to go or even start where we want to go is to listen to the discomfort. I got to change this. You know, I'm not satisfied with this job. It doesn't necessarily mean quit your job. To me, it means, by the way, what I did with, with this last time I had my, you know, I was 12 years on the road was I just love the damn job. <laughs> I, lo- I mean, I didn't care whatever I was doing, you know, people would ask me all the time as I was traveling. They would say, isn't traveling hard? God, don't you just like get so burned out traveling? And I would not entertain that. No, I love the air. Year- and by the way, I'm I'm being truthful because I would find ways to love it. I I love the airport. I love the Starbucks at the airport. I love my hotel rooms. I love the people I was teaching Myers Briggs to. I just would not go into this like, oh, this is so hard.
2: And by the way, sometimes it was really hard.
0: It's just I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to go to how can we make this the best version that I can because I'm not leaving my job right now. And eventually, because I did this very consistently, just like I did with this moment's my destiny, the first time I did it, it all opened up and I was able to actually leave my
1: job a second time. It seems like so much of it is a decision that we get to make in every moment. You know, how how am I going to look at this? I'm going to look at this like I have to put my art on hold until the traveling days of this job are over and I can be at my studio at home. Like that, I have to, it's a story you tell yourself because of a decision that you made of how you're going to look at it. Or you make a decision, this is reality. I love reality. It's happening for a reason. Every moment of the, not just your own life, but I love thinking about like every moment since the first, whatever exploded for the big bang and all that, like all the people that came before, like all of that happened to lead you to this exact moment. Exactly. All of it. The whole thing. All of it. So to resist, even though it's logical to resist,
0: yes, I would prefer not to be in a hotel room. I want to be in my art studio but I'm in a hotel room.
2: So what's good about it?
0: What's yeah. good about the hotel room instead of like bitching about yeah. room service? Yeah, it's a, it's a, and
1: it's a choice. It's a choice that you can make and you can feel like you're a victim to it, but actually it is a choice. It is a decision. And I love this image of you. I feel I feel like we're soul sisters because I'm a little bit of a pack rat. And I, when I travel, I often prefer to travel by car because I can pack more of my, oh, my art cool. supplies and my rock cool. collection and my whatever it is, ridiculous thing, that I've decided I need to bring with me. But I love the idea of this, like you kind of got a little scrappy with it and you were just like, okay, how can I make this work? I can bring, I'm not going to wait until I retire from this job or some magical force changes my fate. I'm going to insert myself however I can into this. And then it's like doing that, you planted a seed. And you're telling the
0: universe. Yeah. You know, that I, one, I wasn't resisting where I was. You know, yes, my job was challenging, but I was finding what was good about it and living with that and living in non-resistance. At the same time, I was living what I wanted, which was I had to find I had to find time to make the art. And everyone has an hour somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't care how crazy your life is. You know, by the way, the second part, when I was on the road, I would do it at seven o'clock at night. But when I was home, which was like one third of the time, I would get up at 5 a.m seven days a week. I never, I always got up at 5 a.m. By the way, that's very hard for me. But 5 a.m. meant I was in the studio for like two or three hours before I started the day job.
1: I get the sense um, with this energy, this magical energy that we've been talking about, that we could call creativity or intelligence or God, or we call it whatever we want. But that thing that I think we all know we're talking about, I get the feeling that it's trying to either show us something or tell us something or, and like, for me, it has this like really jubilant, like excited, almost Mm. a little bit show offy kind of like, Mm. it's just so happy. But do you feel that? Do you, and do you feel, do you feel like Mm. it's trying to tell us something or give us something or do something through us? And if you do, what do you, what do you think it is?
0: I've never heard it said like that, but I would agree with everything you said. I think for me, it's listening constantly like t- taking an inner pulse, like every single day, I have. Well, how do you feel? What's going on? Do you feel kind of disheveled? I mean, it's not like I'm grounded all the time. You know, sometimes I'm like bouncing off walls. Okay. How are you going to bring yourself down? So it's like a moment to moment listening and then following, you know, and, you know, and then changing my routines. It's like, you know, changing your diet when your stomach exploded.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, I just brought back meditation. I haven't meditated in a while. I like meditation. Um, so I just brought it back into my life because I need more ground in this, particularly right now, because I am literally launching like six things simultaneously. So, okay, be here, you know, because it's really easy to go into like, <gasps> you know, like to follow the excitement, but the excitement is not necessarily God or higher power. It's, um, you know, it's your ego saying you gotta do this and you gotta do this. and You gotta do this as opposed to No if you can be quiet enough, that's why I meditate. If you can be quiet enough, you can allow the higher power to talk to you. And you can't always hear that, you know, if you're just running off your to-do list to get it done.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like that quiet, like every time I've found myself in a place of that stopping. And I think there's an aversion for the busy mind to stop because it's terrified of nothingness of, of, you know, yeah. but mm-hmm. every time I've experienced a real stopping, it's almost like I explode into this inner world of there's all this other stuff underneath there. So stopping is never actually even really stopping. It's kind of just like mm-hmm. allowing something else to yeah come and move through us. Yeah.
0: Right. Slow down enough so that you can actually hear what's coming through you. Exactly. I think it's coming at us all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we feel discomfort or you feel a stomachache it's always coming at you. It's just, we don't always listen. So unless we get to me, if I, if I can slow my brain down and really be quiet, it's amazing what comes through. Or my husband will come in and he'll just say to me, he's talking God. <laughs> so all of a sudden he'll say, I'll give you an example. So the other day I launched my ornaments and I've, I've made my, the ornaments took a long time to make. I'm in love with every single one of them. And they started off really slow like really slow, like it wasn't selling that well, the first, like the first morning. And I was like, Oh, you know, that's my ego. <laughs> my husband comes in, he looks
2: at me, he goes, he looks me in the eyes and goes, they're going to sell. And I went, Oh, okay. And I'll, for some reason I dropped it. All right. And they
0: all sold out. But you know, my ego brain goes, they should sell in 10 minutes. Let's go. I want to be like Amanda Evanson, you know, Let, let's just make this happen. And it's going to happen and the pace is going to happen.
2: And maybe it won't,
0: you know, I, and I, I fully accepted that I could have been stuck with, you know, a lot of ornaments and, you know, not putting the pressure, not allowing the, it, I keep going back to, it's it, it's a child having a tantrum, you know, if I can stop my brain from going off, which is why I have all kinds of rituals to bring me back to the present moment. Meditation is just one of many. You know, I just need to quiet myself constantly because my brain is saying, you're not good enough. You're not going fast enough. You have to like get more done in a day. You have to get up earlier. You have to stay up later. You know, it's like. Oh.
1: What, are, what are some of the things that you do to bring it back to the moment other than meditation?
0: Well, one of them is I have a, an alarm on my phone. It's, it's an app called the Remindfulness app. And it, you can set it for anything you want, but I set it for every 30 minutes and it has the most beautiful, like it has a little child giggling and then it has whales going off just for like, you know, literally like three seconds. And every time it goes off, it's a reminder to myself. Okay. Stop. Take a breath. All right. Just to quiet myself because, you know, I've got a to-do list. Like, I mean, it rivals anybody's and I'm running, you know, no, quiet down. That's one of them you know, meditation, I literally just started again, like five days ago. And that really does set the tone, like, okay, set the tone for the day. Now I may go off, you know, by 11 o'clock, I may be on run mode, but then my app brings me back. I also have signs around my office. So I have one on my computer that says presence. And the word presence, when I look at it, I go, "Oh, presence." so for some reason, it makes me stop and see, like, just see your face. I can see my computer. I can see my coffee mug. Just be in presence with what's there, you know, but wait, wait, these rituals, they change constantly because they lose their juice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? So I have to change it up to get another one in there, but that's what I'm doing right now.
1: That's yeah. We always have to stay one step ahead. I find that too. <laughs> I pull a card before every episode from this really beautiful mm-hmm. little deck of, I have, there's just one little word. And, uh, today the word that I pulled for our episode today was play.
0: Oh, you're kidding.
1: And you know what, the, the, the the crazy thing about this, Oh I I, I've never ever done anything in my life that just felt like, I feel like just like the universe is like here with me making this podcast happen, like in so many levels. And even just in the little, like every single card that it's the perfect, it's absolutely the perfect. I'll tell you why I think it's, but maybe you could tell me why you're also zinging when you hear that.
0: Well, because, well, you had asked me to think about this billboard thing, right? You know, like, what would you put on a billboard? And I've been thinking about it, you know, ever since you asked me on the podcast, like, what would I say? But the word that came up over and over again was the word play. And this morning it came up again. I said, well, I, I'm going to, I was, I'm, by the way, I'm going to answer that question when you ask me, but I have a
1: more sophisticated version. Well, tell it. me, yeah, if you, so here's the question and I ask it at the end, the end of every show, and it's kind of where we're at in the, in our conversation, unfortunately, because I wish we could keep going. Um, but if the question is, if you had a billboard that you knew that every single person in the world who had somehow felt disconnected from this energy that we're talking about of creativity and joy and intelligence, all of, all of this, that wordless thing that we're talking about that we all know we're going to just use the word creativity as. uh, And you knew that this billboard would reach them and their heart and they would hear it. What would you put on it?
0: Well, over and over again, the first thing that came up when I was thinking about it was the word play. But then I said, okay, well, what do I mean by the word play? Like that seems kind of nebulous. (laughs) I know what I mean by it. So what, what I've really lived my life by not only just with my art, but life, period, is the idea of following what lights you up, which by the way, I think is play. And, but I think following what lights you up in its more fundamental thing is more concrete than the word play, because following what lights me up, and that's what I put on the billboard, is literally in every moment, what gives me this sense of like,
2: you know, like, oh, What's next? You know, or, you know, sometimes what I really want to do is paint by number. Or I want to read a book. Or I want to take a walk. Or I want to make a piece of art. You know, it's not always I want to
0: go make art. Sometimes that's the last thing I want to do or that's good for me. So following what lights me up is really listening at a, at a very, like, what really sounds good right now, which, by the way, to me is play. You know, if I could go play all the time, what would my child really want to go do? You know, even my marketing feels like play, you know, what would be fun? So follow what lights me up would be my, on my board. Follow what lights you up would be on my billboard.
1: I love that so much. But I can't believe
0: you pulled play. That was pretty.
1: I used to not believe it. And now it's just happened so many times that it, that it's just, I accept that there's something else that's giving me the card. (laughs) Well, that took my breath
0: away when you said that. Because I, the word play has popped into my brain, I don't know, 50 times.
1: That's amazing.
0: But that's probably what the billboard should say. Forget for that. Just play. Play.
1: Billboard. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just got the chills. Yes, I love that. Wow. Mm. Oh, I love that. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I thank really, I, it's been you know, a joy. I loved
0: your questions, truly.
1: Oh, thank you. Know, you.
0: They were very, very connected. And uh, very insightful. Gave me insight. So thank
1: you. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad that we could be in this moment together. That's, it's been really wonderful. Cat is a mindset master. There have been so many times in her life that things have gotten really, really hard. And yet she has consistently found ways to love and appreciate every situation she has found herself in. This living gratitude has ushered her through the creative droughts and the difficult times in her life. So much of life seems to boil down to the decision that we get to make in each moment. How are we gonna look at things? What lessons and gifts are we gonna take from our circumstances, even the painful ones? How can we take what is in front of us in each moment and make it into the best version that we can? I love how Kat believes that the universe is rigged in her favor, that difficult situations are simply guideposts nudging her in a different direction, and that instead of resisting difficulty, she remembers her mantra, this moment is my destiny, and opens her arms to it to find out what it has to teach her. The word for today's show was play, and it took Kat's breath away when I told her that. Cultivating a sense of play has been pivotal for the success that Kat has created for herself in everything from manifesting her dream job to creating artwork that flies out of her studio into collector's hands. If you take one thing from this episode today, I hope it is a curiosity about what might be available to you if you let yourself play, not only in your creative pursuits, but as you move through your whole life. Head over to KateShepherdCreative.com slash creativegenius for the show notes, where you'll find links to Kat's websites and her socials. Make sure you're signed up for my newsletter. I pick a random person from my email list at least once a month and send out an original piece of art to them. It's one of my favorite things. It takes so much to put together this show. As I mentioned earlier, I am a really independent person and it is a little hard for me to ask for help. But the truth is, I do need some support to keep producing this show. I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon supporter. For as little as $5 a month, which you can think of like buying me a coffee, you'll get some perks and I will be able to keep bringing you these amazing guests. You can visit patreon.com slash creativegeniuspodcast. And you could also consider sending someone a gratitude bird. You can find out more about what they are and how they work. And everything I've mentioned on KateShepherdCreative.com. Thank you for being here, for opening your heart and for listening. My wish is that this show reach into your heart and stir the beautiful thing that lives in there. May you find and unleash your creative genius.